0: to Hope City Church, Melbourne, Australia. Stay tuned for another inspiring message by Pastor Andrew McGrath. God is aligning our hearts, our lives for what he's about, so we can hear and position ourselves for what he's about to do. So we pick up in Matthew 17, which is an amazing chapter. Jesus goes up to the mountain with his disciples and uh, Peter, James and John, and there he's transfigured. It's almost like he takes off his cape that conceals his true identity and he opens up his life and they begin to see the true alignment of the sun, spirit, soul, and body. We sang about that today. Saturate me, captivate me, you calibrate me. That word calibrate, I, I would use like spiritual alignment. Once we're captivated in his presence, the very thing that God does, once he woos us into a love relationship is he begins the art of calibrating or spiritual alignment of our lives, spirit, soul, and body. So he he reveals his calibration, his spiritual alignment. They see in Jesus what it looks like when sons and daughters of God are truly aligned. He gives them a look at what you are about to become. Did you hear me? Don't get too excited about that. And uh, they have this amazing encounter and then they come down off the mountain and they meet the, the rest of the disciples that haven't had the luxury of being in this amazing event. And there they are wrestling with this little boy and a demon in this boy and they don't know how to cast him out. And uh, the, the man comes to Jesus in verse 16 of Matthew 17. He says, I brought my son to your disciples, but they couldn't cure him. And I've been in the church a long time and I've heard those words many times in different forms. That there's been incredible challenges and and, and needs that the church has met. Yet we've had this, we've loved Jesus. We've been, we're saved, we're born again. But there's this inability to press through with true authority and see his kingdom come. And there's a sense of frustration down in the valley. There's this amazing alignment in, in, on the mountain where all things are possible, but down in the valley there's this frustration and God, why can't we cast out this demon? And Jesus said in verse 17, "O f- unbelieving and perverse. This word perverse means twisted, reversed, corrupt. A generation that misinterpret, to distort. How long shall I be with you? He says to the disciples, You are a generation because of the fall that's twisted, that's corrupted, that's out of alignment. Are you hearing me? How long will I bear with you? It pained the heart of Jesus, who was marvelously calibrated and aligned, had spirit, soul, and body alignment, and he functioned in the anointing and the authority of God, and he's surrounded by people like you and I that are out of alignment. And we're frustrated because we don't know. We love God. Jesus lives in us. But we don't know how to release the authority and the power that God has given us. Jesus rebukes the demon. It comes out straight away. We need to be careful that we don't misread God's agenda because of our own unbelief and lack of results. Jesus is still the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's still a healer, still a savior, still the one that moves mountains. The issue is either God or us. And I'm convinced in my heart that the issue is not with God, that there's a lack of alignment in our lives that is stopping the flow of the Spirit of God through our lives. I want to be spiritually aligned so the power of God can flow through me. He talked about twisted, perverse thinking. And we've sold ourselves into a lie. And I often think about how we function here on earth and how out of alignment we are with God's plan and purposes. So with that in mind, I began to think about what Jesus did to redeem mankind from this twisted view and bring us back into alignment. Do you want me to share what I discovered? Okay. For those that do, I will. So I thought, how did... How do we go from twisted thinking, twisted lifestyles out of alignment to a lifestyle that is aligned with the purposes of God? Our spirit, soul and body is aligned so the power... And the authority of God that is in me can flow out unrestricted. And that's what I desperately want. As I look over our city, I'm saying, God, align me if it's just me. And I know it's not just me. But align me to reach the city. Lord, there's so much power in this life of mine. Whatever it is that is twisted and corrupted and unbelieving and distorted, and, and out of alignment so you can't work, align it, align it now, Lord, so you can move. At the baptism of Jesus in Matthew chapter 3, you need to understand that all that Jesus does on earth is to be one, an example of us, and then to be a representative for us. So when we see Jesus going to be baptized, it's not because he needs to be baptized, He's not a sinner. He is coming as an example of what we will go through in our progression towards brokenness to wholeness and alignment. So Jesus is baptized and the heavens open and the Spirit of God for the first time, He descends as a dove in bodily form and rests on the life of Jesus. In all the Old Testament, never had this happen where the Spirit of God had remained on a human being. And for the first time when Jesus is baptized, heaven is open. There's communication between heaven and earth and the Spirit of God rests on Jesus. He says, you are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And for everyone that's born again today, that's a reality for you. The Spirit of God rests on you. He remains on you. You are a beloved son. You are full of the Spirit of God. Did you hear me? How many people are full of the Spirit today? Okay, everyone that's born again is full of the Spirit. Heaven's been ripped open. The Spirit of God remains on you. But it's interesting that Jesus doesn't remain. This, This is not the end of the journey. And see, that's where many of us stop. We receive Jesus into our life. The Spirit of God comes inside, but we're way out of spiritual alignment. And the authority that is in us has no means or little means of flowing out. Are you hearing me? This is really important. So Jesus is filled with the Spirit and he is led by the Spirit into where? Where's he led? To the wilderness. He's baptized. The Holy Spirit is upon him and then he's driven out by the Spirit into the wilderness and there's his battle over his life with spiritual alignment. This battle, I believe, this is my take, in the wilderness is about Jesus, the Son of God, finding authority over all the works of the evil one. He has now sonship at baptism, but the wilderness is about him finding personal alignment, spirit, soul, and body. At the cross, he does that for mankind. But this battle in the wilderness is about Jesus, the first man. To come to planet earth to find spiritual authority over all the works of the evil one. Notice he's not cast out one demon. He's He's not advanced the kingdom once before this takes place. Something is happening in the wilderness that is going to align Jesus and send him out with great power. For on the other side of the wilderness, he preaches this message. The Spirit of the Lord God is now upon me. And I am anointed to preach good news to the poor. He says in Luke 4.36, I was reading this. They were amazed and they said, what a word this is. For with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits and out they come. He talks about... That when I come against this strong man, now I'm a stronger one. And I will take him, I'll take all the resources off him. I come and I will plunder his goods. He comes out of that wilderness with a newfound authority and power that I believe he didn't have before the wilderness. It's not, it's not because he was not the son of God, but everything he's doing... Is, is a picture of what you and I will do as children of the living God. We will be filled with the Spirit. We will be baptized. And then we'll come into a place called the wilderness where we will find spiritual alignment. And we will come out the other side and we will speak a word with authority, And with power. And they will say, who is this man? Who is this woman? For when they speak, they speak not as the Pharisees and the scribes, the religious people, but when they speak, there is an authority to move mountains. And this is what our city needs. doesn't need more religious people. doesn't need more sermons. It needs men and women of authority. And that comes when you are spiritually aligned. As I read through the wilderness battle, there are three temptations. The first temptation is for Jesus, according to Matthew, to find mastery over his body. The temptation's over his body. And he's hungry. He's tempted to turn the stones into bread. The second temptation is for the mastery over the soul. He leads him up to the temple. He says, throw yourself off. And, you know, it says that if you fall down, that the angels will will pick you up. And Jesus says, you will not tempt the Lord your God. See, the devil saying to, to Jesus, chuck yourself off the building and find out how much the Father cares for you. See if he will look after you, whether he loves you. See, it's, it's a play on the soul. He's actually forcing God to prove that he really loves him and protect him. It's an issue of the soul. Are you seeing this? It's a battle over the soul. And Jesus says, I don't need to force God's hand to prove that he loves me. I already know because of the baptism that I am the dearly beloved son. The third temptation is a battle over the spirit. Who will gain the worship of mankind and how to get authority? Will I get authority the wrong way or the right way? Will I subject my will to the will of the Father? It's a battle over the spirit. It's interesting that the order is reversed in our lives. We surrender our spirit, then it seems like we battle through our soul. And for most Christians, the last battle is the battle over the body. Just a thought. So, the body say, I have a body, I have a good body. Satan says to Jesus, if you're the son of God, command these stones to become bread. It's a battle over the physical body of a man or a woman. I'm astounded how much Paul the Apostle talks about the body. We've got body consciousness, we've got people working out, people putting on makeup. But fundamentally, most people don't understand the power of a human body. And God is looking to release his power through surrendered bodies. In the Old Testament, God would come upon a body, a physical body, and they would do incredible exploits. Samson, David, etc., etc. And now he's looking for surrendered bodies that he could flow through, that would house his spirit and he would flow through. Our body is the means of God's delegated authority on planet Earth. In Genesis 1.28, he says, Let them have dominion on planet Earth. God, God, as it were, when he created man, limited all his authority and all his movement on planet Earth to physical bodies. A demon without a, or a, a spirit being without a physical body on planet Earth is illegal. Everything that God does on planet Earth is through human bodies. Are you hearing me? And God is just looking for human bodies that would surrender themselves to him, that would speak, that would worship, that would honor him with their body. It's a big deal to God. God's giving you this physical body as a means of displaying his authority and power to planet Earth. And all he's looking for is a body. A body. Do you have a body today? You qualify to be used of God. That's all he's looking for. He's looking for a man or woman who will speak. So when Moses is standing at the Red Sea and he's waiting for God to do a miracle, God says, what's in your hand? Use Use your hand. Use the rod. Speak to the Red Sea. They go through the Red Sea and they come out the other side and the Egyptians are coming through after them and they're all freaking out. And and Moses is saying, God, what do I do? And God says, speak, and then I'll move. So he speaks to the Red Sea, and it it shuts down again. You need to understand God flows through human bodies. Without human bodies, God cannot move. And, and, And that's where we need to find spiritual alignment in this physical body. We need to gain mastery over our spiritual body. And that means lots of things. That means prayer and fasting. That means bringing our body under subjection to do the will of the Father. Paul uh, said, I bear in my body the marks of Christ. When he was tired and he was shipwrecked, he would pull his body back into order and say, I, I'm going to worship God. I'm going to move through. I'm not afraid of what comes before me. I'm not fearful of my body. They said, Paul, don't go into Jerusalem. You'll be killed. He says, what are you talking about? Uh, see, his body was under the mastery of himself. And he allowed his body to be a dwelling place of the Holy Ghost, so God could move in His world. Your body is incredibly important to you. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if this is making sense. Acts 19, 12, it says that they would bring handkerchiefs to the body of Paul, because sorry, Peter, because his body carried the presence of the Holy Spirit. Act 2 Corinthians 4:11 says, "We are delivered to death for Jesus' sake so the life of Jesus may be manifest in our mortal flesh. Are you hearing me? Every time you bring your body into subjection, every time we are delivered to death, we say to our body, get down. Every time we bring mastery over our body, it's a release of the life of God in our mortal flesh. God wants to flow through you. And I have a conviction, myself included, there is so much... There is so much wrong passions and desires. Our body is often out of control. And we need divine alignment. Our body must come under subject to the will of God. And this is the first thing that Jesus is confronted with. Will my body serve the purposes of God or not? This is very quiet in here. Are you hearing me? What I will allow my eyes to see, what I will... Put in my mouth, what, how what I will do with my actual physical body, whether I will lay hands on the sick, what I will touch, my body must come under subjection to the will of God, so His authority can flow through me. One Corinthians six twelve. It's getting better. It says, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Food for the stomach and the stomach for food but God will destroy both it and them. This was a Corinthian slogan. And they said, they believed there was only the spirit that mattered, that what you did with the body didn't matter. And Paul says, no, no, no. He says, the body is incredibly important. Don't ignore the body. If your body is out of alignment, you can't worship God in spirit and soul and your body be out of alignment. This is very much the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. Are you understanding this today? Your body is the source where the authority of God connects to earth. God will not move without your body. The moment your body leaves, your influence over the earth is done. So this gift that I have, I need to submit to the Father and say, Father, this physical body is yours. Are you hearing me? He says, verse 15 of 1 Corinthians 6, don't you know your body is the actual limbs of Jesus Christ? Shall I take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her, for the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Your body is incre- Where you take your body is so important because you're saying, I live in you. And when you join your body to something, you join me with it because I am in you. We are one flesh. Your body is so important where you take it, what you expose it to, because it is the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Are you hearing me? Verse 19 says, Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Spirit who is in you? You are not your own. You are bought with a price. Therefore, honor God in your body and in your spirit. Did you hear that? To the degree that you honor God in your spirit, you should honor God in your body. for it is the temple of the Holy Ghost. I don't know if I'm making sense today, That your body is incredibly important. It must come into alignment. I'll say it this way. If your body is out of control, you will always lack true authority in the kingdom. How else can I say it? I'm either offending people or you don't get it. Is there something wrong? (laughs) Romans 6.13. I'll try another scripture. Maybe I can whack it with this one. Do not offer the parts of your body to serve sin as weapons of evil, but offer yourself to God as people who have died and now live, and offer the parts of your body as weapons of righteousness and justice. God is saying this physical body becomes a weapon in the hand of God. And you can either offer up your body as a weapon of of unrighteousness and evil, or else if you bring it into subjection, it will become a force, a weapon in the kingdom. And there's way too much time, and I'm not against painting the barn if the barn needs to be painted, but there's so much obsession with body consciousness in this world, and just remember your body will return to dirt. That's, That's all it is. It's just, it is a... Physical body. But the the focus should be on, God, have I brought my body under subjection to your will? Take me, use me, every part of my body. Let it be a living sacrifice for you. Spiritual alignment. You will lack authority if your body is out of control. All right, maybe the soul will be easier. Jesus gained mastery over his body. Just going back to the body. What do you think fasting is so difficult? Because the greatest drive in our life is the physical appetite. Greater than even the sexual appetite, as great as that is, it's the physical drive. And if we can't gain mastery over our physical appetite, we will always lack true authority in the kingdom. On the mountain were three men of significance Jesus, Elijah, and Moses. And all three of them gained authority over their body. Moses, 40 days without food. Elijah, 40 days without food. And Jesus, 40 days without food. What are they trying to tell us? Spiritual alignment comes when we gain... And it's not just about fasting for long periods of time. It's about bringing all of our body under subjection to the will of God. All right, enough on the body because I can see that it's something to ponder, isn't it? Maybe go home today and ask the Lord, is my body a living sacrifice? And just because you're thin doesn't mean it is. Because there's much more to, to control over your body than whether you eat or you don't eat. Whether you have a fast metabolism or a slow one. Much more than that. Have you got control over your body? Are you obsessed with yourself? Anyway, yeah. Matthew 4, 5, that was a good point, wasn't it, Helen? You can see that going a long way. But do you see that body authority is, incre- in fact, it's the very thir- first temptation that Jesus takes on. Oh, the control over physical appetite. The soul... Matthew 4 5, the devil takes Jesus up to, to the city. And like I said before, he shows him all the kingdoms of, sorry, he, showed, he takes him up to the temple. He says, Throw yourself down, for it's written, your angels will give charge of you. And I shared the other week, and I don't want to spend too much time, about the power of fasting and prayer to bring the soul under alignment. I spoke about this morning from Habakkuk, how important it is for our soul, our emotions, our mind, and our will to come into alignment. God is wanting all of us. He wants body, soul, and spirit. And when they all begin, and it's, we don't go from zero to 100, but as they begin to come into alignment, to the degree they come into alignment is the degree that the authority that is in us is released. Yeah. Are you hearing me? Yeah. Baptism, a picture of salvation. The wilderness, a picture of spiritual life. It comes out of the wilderness with the authority and the power of God to move mountains, cast out demons, to heal the sick, and to raise the dead. Are you seeing this? To the degree that you are aligned, spirit, soul, and body, is the degree that you are walk in authority. So I shared a few weeks ago that fasting, one of the things it does, it brings us up into emotional maturity. Jesus said... That when I've gone to heaven, then my disciples will fast. At the moment, they know me, they see me, they touch me, they feel me. They're under no doubt that I love them. I will love them to the end. But when I go to heaven, they will fast. Why? Because love can only be expressed from spirit to spirit. It's a spirit within me that cries out, Abba, Father. You have no ability in the natural to understand the love of God towards you. If you allow circumstances to define love, you will end up hating God. Do you hear me? You'll be offended. So fasting brings us up into the realm of the spirit. It, it pushes down the flesh. It brings the soul into submission where my spirit begins to receive from the spirit of God. And he affirms that he loves me. I don't believe that you can fully come into a spirit. Sorry, the wholeness of the soul without fasting. it's not the only thing we need to pray we need to feast on the word but tell me how how can you truly hear the voice of the spirit without that because there will always be a dimension of your body and your soul that will be interpreting your life I knew I'd get applause when I spoke about fasting come on Blessed are those that hunger, for they shall be filled. See, spiritual hunger creates such a depth in our spirit that when the seed of God is planted, the mysteries of God, it can go down and, and take root. The greater the hunger, the deeper the hole for the seed to go in. If we have little hunger, the mysteries of God will come and they will die. Mark 4 tells us that. All this is about creating, the wilderness is about spiritual hunger, Spirit, soul, and body, for the mystery of the kingdom to take root, to become powerful. There is no other way. If you have little hunger for this, then none of it will make sense. Okay. Fasting. And I spoke the other week about praying in the spirit. How do I bring my soul into alignment? Fasting does that prayer in the spirit. I said the other week that so much out of our soul is articulated through our mouth. We talk nonstop, day after day after day, speaking about what we see in the natural, how we feel. And there's a place for that. But tongues... praying in the spirit is offensive to the mind because our spirit is gaining mastery over our soul the spirit says how about I take a turn how about I express how I feel How how about my soul begins to listen to what my spirit has to say and so we pray in tongues and our minds going this is crazy don't do it it's a waste of time but the more we do it and the more we do it our soul begins to become aligned with the purposes of heaven Are you hearing me? I don't know how you can have a renewed soul, an aligned soul without... Praying in the spirit without fasting. These are the weapons. The weapons of our warfare aren't fleshly weapons, but they are mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. Got a stronghold in your body? Got a stronghold in your soul? God says, have some mighty weapons. These are mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. They will cast down vain imaginations and every argument and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Everything that stops you from being in alignment, Try these weapons. They are mighty in God for the pulling down of struggles. Have you been battling with your body and your soul for years? Stop seeing shrinks. Stop seeing all the things of this world. There's a place for that. But try praying in the Holy Ghost. People come to me. They come in my office. They only come once. They say, Andrew, I've got a problem. I say, try this. Try praying in the Spirit and fasting. All right, I think I'll get a second opinion. Why? Because I want to do it man's way. But I know this, the weapons of our warfare aren't fleshly weapons, but they are mighty in God to pull down strongholds. And your problem is a stronghold. You are out of alignment. You need to go into the wilderness and get alone with God, begin to pray in the Spirit and seek His face, and He will do an alignment that no man can do. Are you hearing me? Maybe that was a little bit harsh, but it was fair. And then he comes to the spirit, body, soul, spirit. He beats and smashes the devil over his body, grinds his head into the ground. Then he has a battle over the soul and he grinds his head over the ground, into the ground. You know what, my friend? Everything that Jesus did in the wilderness is an example of what every spirit-filled believer can do. Are you hearing me? This is not just, oh, that was Jesus. He's saying, you know what? I am an example of what you can do from the youngest to the oldest. The moment you get, the only qualifier is, have you been filled with the Spirit? Are you born again? The moment you do that, the Spirit of God will drive you. What's the Holy Spirit doing now? He is driving you, he is wooing you, he is saying, let me bring you to a place of alignment. And most Christians stand somewhere between the baptism and the wilderness, arguing with the Holy Spirit about what to do in their life. And he's saying, I want to bring you into alignment to give you authority. Is this making sense? And we plateau somewhere there. Spiritual authority. This is the last one. Takes him up to a high mountain. Shows him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. He says, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. And Jesus said, get away, hairy legs. For it is written, you will worship the Lord your God and him only will you serve. Luke 4, 6 says, all this authority that Satan says to Jesus, I will give you. I will give you this authority. And all their glory for it has been surrendered to me. And I can give it to whoever I wish. Man, I thought about this a lot. Is this really the devil's authority to give away? Jesus was about to take back the authority that had been stolen from mankind. This is where true spiritual authority... This is now the battle over true spiritual authority. Win this war and the, all the cards come down. This is whether Jesus is going to take a shortcut. See, Jesus wasn't after the kingdoms of this world. He was after raising up kings and priests, people that would change their world. And He wasn't going to take a shortcut. He was going to take back the keys of the kingdom. And I want to read you a little passage from a book called The Gospel According to Noah, for those that are listening on video or watching. Because I think this sums it up. In fact, I read it again this week, and I thought that must have been God because I couldn't write this. But can I read you just a little passage? Is it all right? About authority. Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. What was lost? Well, for one thing, man had lost his authority to rule over the nations when he handed that over to the devil at the fall. As a result of the fall, the devil was empowered as man's lord to rule and influence the nations through man's delegated dominion. Man was originally entrusted with the honor of being the gatekeeper of the earth. He was created to be the conduit of God's expression on earth. Instead, through disobedience and deception, Adam came under Satan's lordship and became the entry point enabling Satan to fill the earth with darkness. Jesus, everyone say yay. Yay. Jesus, however, came to reinstate us back to our original place of dominion so we could express again the lordship and desires of Father God on earth. To accomplish this, Jesus engaged And defeated the devil in the wilderness as a man. And then again at the cross as representative of all mankind. In this battle, mankind's authority was taken back from the devil by the only one qualified to do, namely the last Adam. It was at the cross that our fallen nature was crucified. And through the resurrection, a new lion born from above began to repopulate the earth. The essence of the death, burial, and resurrection was God through Christ, restoring mankind back to his original place of co-ruling with the Godhead. Listen to this. We are now new creations operating in the kingdom of our Father. We are no longer under the power of the evil one. And we no longer empower the devil through the soulish choices we made previously. As we are now positioned in Christ, the last Adam and not in the first Adam, it means that you and I never gave anything to the devil. Did you hear that? Because you are now in Christ and not in Adam, it means legally you never gave any of your authority away. The God of this world has nothing on you or in you. Because we never gave our authority or our worship to the devil, because what Jesus did in the wilderness and at the cross was on our behalf. As our example... Because we never gave our authority or our worship to the devil, we can legally exercise dominion that the first Adam handed over to the devil. We can rightfully take back all that was designed for and stolen from the first Adam. It is essential to understand that God originally gave the earth to man and not the devil. And God is committed to seeing his original mandate for man come to its fullness. And on it goes. That is the truth. Everything that the devil has taken was taken by deception. And what Jesus did was reinstate our true authority. And when you are born again in Christ, you have all authority and all power over the devil. Jesus came back to earth. He said, Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen: all power and all authority is being given to me, both on earth, where you are now, and in the heavenly places, in, in the heavens. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. I thought about this. I thought, Jesus, when you took authority and power, why didn't you just finish it all then? When you came back to earth and you announced that, why didn't you just wrap it all up? As I look around the world and I see all this pain, Jesus, why didn't you just finish it at the cross and the resurrection and ascension? It would have been so much easier. But I believe that God is allowing the conditions On the earth to prevail, to prepare us to rule with him. You need to understand, everything that happens on the earth causes God far much more pain than it causes you. And that tells me something. Listen to this carefully. There must be a reward that outweighs the pain. Are you hearing that? And the reward is that you would align with him and partner with him to change the world that 's how much he values partnering with you to rule and reign with him. The bride of the first called the first Adam, had the most perfect environment, and yet he chose to disobey. The bride or the second Adam. We'll have the most horrendous environment, but we will choose to obey. Adam in the garden, he had everything at his disposal and he couldn't say yes. You and I, in the midst of deep, deep darkness, we will be aligned to him, spirit, soul, body. And there will be an eternal yes that cries out from our heart in the midst of trying circumstances. And the angels in heaven will look down and they will be in awe of the people that would worship God despite all the opposition, despite all the physical circumstances. And they will say, you are worthy to judge us. That's what they will say. But the other thing is the bride won't just encounter such difficulty. They will will advance the kingdom and take ground where where Adam failed to take ground. Adam had the most perfect environment, yet he didn't take any ground. He didn't enlarge the garden. He didn't take planet Earth. But you and I, we will will be under trying circumstances, but this will be the time where the body of Christ will take ground. Adam left the garden in thorns and thistles, but we will take ruined cities and we will rebuild them. This is what happens when God's people become aligned. And this is why Jesus didn't call it quits when all authority and power was given. This is what the wrestle was over for the, the body and the soul and the spirit. It wasn't just Jesus coming back and ruling as a man, but he did it as our example. So you and I would align ourselves with him and begin to rule and reign with him. It is a big deal to Jesus. So I'm saying to you today to embrace spiritual alignment. As we come down from our mountain on Sunday into a world on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, that's surrounded by pain and, and disappointment and, and Father saying, someone release my son. We're walking in situations that need a miracle. The church of Jesus Christ has to be aligned spirit, soul and body to bring healing or else they will view a God They will walk away from their circumstances and say, It must be the will of God that he remain bound. Without Jesus, the disciples would have made that assessment. But when Jesus came into that circumstance, he revealed the will of the Father. So I'm saying to you, will you align yourself? Will you allow the Holy Spirit to take you from the baptism into the wilderness, where you find victory over your body, your soul, and your spirit? We've talked about all the gates of our spirit, our soul and our body, where you daily begin to pray and say, "God, shift me, change me, align me, saturate me, captivate me, calibrate me." Because I want his authority to flow through me. The world needs that. And the church is trapped between the baptism and the wilderness, and on the other side of the wilderness, we come out with power and authority, and they say, "Who is this man?" Who is this woman that speaks with such power and authority? And it only comes where we surrender our body and our soul and our spirit to him. For this is the way he created us to be.